0: How's everybody today? Yeah? I'm not sure. I'm convinced. If you have your Bibles with you, <laughs> all right, Noe. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to Luke chapter 20. And uh, we're going to be reading this morning Luke chapter 20, 1 through 19. Um, we'll see if I get 1 through 19. May only get to eight, we'll see. It says, one day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority you do these things, or who it is that gave you this authority. He answered them, well, I will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? They discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. So Jesus said to them, Then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants. And he went into another country for a long while. And when the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. So he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third, This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard this, they said, surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. For everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone... It will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him from that very hour. For they perceived that he had told this parable against them. But they feared the people. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you. We lift up the scripture this morning. God, I pray that we can comprehend, understand the things that... Your Word is calling us to, God, as we, as we look, we take a look at the idea of the authority of Christ and by whose authority has He come. We recognize the question on the lips of, of a corrupt, fallen, rebellious men. We recognize the, the struggle then is the same as the struggle now. God, I pray that you, by your word, would bring light and understanding. And God, that our eyes would be open and our ears unstopped to hear what your spirit is speaking to the church. And Lord, help us be men and women who respond. Not hearers only, but doers also. God, we lift this morning to you and we pray that you be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we look at a challenge to the authority of Christ, and this whole section goes together. So from 1 all the way through 19, we're all dealing with, oftentimes, if you remember, as we work our way through the Gospel of Luke, you're going to have an instance where Jesus has a discussion with scribes, Pharisees, chief priests, and as he has that discussion, immediately following, he gives a parable to describe what just happened. So we don't, we don't want to miss this This whole, all of this goes together. The concept all fits together. We want to, we want to see it. So it begins with this thing, this challenge to the authority of Christ. He says one day while Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, the, 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 the the verb tense there is imperfect. It means this was his habit while Jesus continues to teach people in the temple. You guys with me? We're the last week leading up to the cross. Jesus is, is headed to, but he's spending that week doing what? Preaching and teaching in the temple. This was his custom. This is where he would go. Later on, when Jesus is arrested, what's he going to say to them? They come to him in the middle of the night, you remember? What does he say? He says, I was every day in the temple. Why didn't you arrest me there? Well, because you're surrounded by people we can't arrest you in front of. And we got to do a really quick court case, Right? Because we got to have them pronounced guilty before everybody's up and at it. Before everybody knows what's going on. They didn't have Facebook back then. So every time somebody went to eat, they didn't take a picture of it and post it on Facebook and say, Look what I had for dinner. So that everybody knew what somebody had for dinner. Or they didn't post it and say what they were thinking or what was going on. Can you believe what happened last night? Right? Today we have information overload. Yes? But back then... Back then, in order for them to know Jesus was arrested, if you woke up in the morning, if you had been in the temple the day before, and Jesus had been preaching, and he'd been teaching, you would wake up and say, man, I'm going to go hear Jesus again. You would expect him to be in the temple. Yeah? Not at Pilate's place, being tried. By the time the followers of Jesus, not the disciples, but the people who were coming to hear him, by the time they know what's going on, You already got a mob rules mentality. And he's headed to the cross. And you're thinking, what happened? What's going on? And if you didn't know that the Bible teaches us that that was the plan of God from the beginning. That that was the purpose for which Christ came. You could understand why they would be filled with questions, right? He was going daily, preaching and teaching. Listen, Paul... Told Timothy these things, and it's something that I think we have to keep in mind for ourselves as well. He said to Timothy, This charge preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. We sit around and we say, I wonder what God wants me to do. Well, before we even got going today, I, I should have laid a pretty good plateful in front of you. Isaiah 58, 6-11. through 11, That gives us something to do, no? How about 2 Timothy 4.2? Preach the word. Be ready. Rebuke who needs rebuked. Reprove who needs reproved. Exhort who needs exhorted. To look for the opportunities to be the hands of, the feet to the voice of God with complete patience. Oh. With complete patience and teaching means everything we do is grounded in the Word. I don't. Sometimes people struggle with this. There are, there's a movement in the church today to unhitch itself from the Bible. So let me make this clear. If you unhitch the church from the Bible, you have no foundation anymore. Do you unhitch yourself from the Bible? What will be your foundation of truth? Now, the, now we have the same foundation of truth that the rest of the world does, which means we spend all our time yelling at each other, and we have nothing to point to and say, "Well, this says right." There's this movement to unhitch. We need to be hitched to it. Preach the word. Deal with the things, engage the culture, talk about the issues nobody wants to talk about. You know, even in the church, right, we have division. We have division over uh, build the wall, don't build the wall. Help immigrants, don't help immigrants. And that's okay. Last I checked, in my family, I don't know, maybe you guys have a different family than I have. In my family, I have blue, 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 blue. Democrats blue. Blue. And I have I have the other extreme too. Dyed in the wool, a tattoo of the flag on her forehead. Um and and we somehow we get together for Christmas. And we sit down, but you know what we do as a family? We we discuss. And every discussion doesn't go great. But that's what you're supposed to do. Ladies and gentlemen, when there is a difference of opinion, you talk until there's not a difference anymore. You listen. The Bible says in Proverbs, we want to be governed by the Word of God. The book of Proverbs says, you are a fool if you start to answer before you've listened. Most of the time, if we're on, definitely, I, they're not a new show. I cannot watch any of them, they make me crazy. They could, Because they do this all the time. They start answering before the, the guy's done talking. No? Everybody does. I don't care who it is. It does not make any difference. They all do the same thing. What? They don't listen. Because why? They all have an agenda and they want to get it out there. And so as soon as they get an opportunity, it's not about the interview. It's about my our opportunity to editorialize. How do we work through that? We have a foundation of truth and we say this is the truth. Currently you have a world who says, I would say 75% of, of people say that truth is not knowable. Which is a self-defeating argument. But nobody wants to have it. Why should we have an argument? Well, I don't want to argue. Do you know that the Bible says, come let us reason together? you know what that word reason is? Argue. Why? Because the Bible says, be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, reprove, exhort. It's not always comfortable. It's not always comfortable at, at, at Christmas at the Roberts Plantation. It's more comfortable now because most of the other people haven't moved to Idaho yet. <laughs> so we have, the, we have those discussions over the phone. It's easier. Oh, that's crazy. Clunk. And then, you know. But the point is, if, if it works that way in family, it should work that way in the family of God. Not, you know what, you think different to me, so get out. No, let's sit down and talk. Let's talk until we figure it out. Don't get mad. If you, if, if you get mad in a discussion, do you realize that that means you, don't, you think you've lost? So why are you holding on to it? If, you get, if the first thing you do is get mad when somebody has a different opinion than you. That's a problem. The Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath. No. Are we really governed by the word? Or are we governed by our emotions? Are we governed by how something makes me feel? Right? Married couples are familiar with this. You said such and such. And then I say, no, I didn't say those words. Because, well, maybe I didn't say those words, but that's the message she got, right? We have all our discussions based on our feelings and no discussions based on the, a foundation. What's the foundation? What's the foundation? Is our foundation the word of God? Because this, this, why this leads into what we're talking about today is the question of authority. By whose authority? Isn't that what the chief priests want to know? Jesus, why do you, why should we listen to you? How about this? Why should we listen to the Bible? It's an old archaic book full of fables. Now, by what authority are you judging the book? Oh. Everything comes down to a question of ultimate authority. What's the ultimate authority in your life? For most men or, or most people on the planet earth, the ultimate authority is themselves. I, I, mean, I know it. I hear you all the time, Noe. <laughs> you get them. You get them. So Noe's ready to preach a word right now. Be ready. Be ready. Hopefully we'll kind of delve into that idea as we continue. We want to be ready. So the chief priests... Now I want you to understand the chief priests. At the time of Christ, the chief priests were not picked or or chosen like they were in the Old Testament. The chief priest was like a political position that was granted by the Romans or by Herod or by those who were in power. They were not chosen the way God said. They were not coming up the way that God had set up in the Old Testament it was a position of power and authority. And where did they get their authority? They got their authority from man, right? Or they got their authority from Rome. And so they want to know, Jesus, by whose authority are you here? I don't see no special certificate with a stamp of Rome on it. And I don't see a certificate from Herod. Boom, Herod's giving you authority. By whose authority? This is the the struggle, and this is still the struggle today. Because the battle is not a battle of truth. It's a battle of worldview. It's a battle of worldviews. Fundamentally different ideas. Think about this. At the time, the chief priests had different ideas about God's purpose. They had different ideas about what is a good leader. How do you lead? They had different ideas about how someone was saved, how Israel was saved. They believe they're saved because they're born in Israel. So all of these things are, that's a a part of a worldview, it's a framework, okay? When we talk about interpreting scripture, Jason alluded to it, this class is going on in Gooding. Sunday nights I'm going to be starting Living by the Book here in a couple of weeks and We'll start doing uh, living by the book, which is the same idea. It's the point is no one comes to scripture. No one comes to the word of God without a framework. And if your framework is screwy, guess what happens when you come to the word? Now, how do we know if our framework is screwy? Well, that's a question of authority. Is your authority Rome? Is your authority men? Who is your authority? What built your framework? Is this my framework? This is my worldview, right? Do, do, is, is the things, the way I think about God, is it biblical? Or is the way I think about God me? No, oh, it's my God. Kathy did a retreat not that long ago. Do you, do you love the God who is? Do you worship the God who is? Or have you made a God in your own image? By what framework are you looking at the world? Everyone has a worldview. Right? Everybody has one. And this is the battle. And so their question about authority. Now, all the way, we're in chapter 20 of Luke. So authority is not new. Okay? This is not a a new issue. In Luke chapter 4, verse 32, it says, They were astonished at his, Jesus' teaching. They were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed, what's that? Authority. authority. They, they hear them and they can hear the authority. Here's what people don't like. Here's what you're not going to like. Especially if your framework is built on men. The authority of Jesus Christ is self-attesting. The authority of the Bible is self-attesting. Now anybody who knows anything is going to say that's circular. And I'm going to say, yeah, so what? Every ultimate authority is circular. You don't have to get mad if someone says, well, that's circular argument. I can say, yep, it is. All arguments become circular at the place of ultimate authority. What does that mean? If you're having a, a, a discussion with your three-year-old about not doing something, how do I know what the ultimate authority is? Eventually, you get to where you say what? Because I said so. So what was the ultimate authority? Me! It's no different in an unbelieving world. An unbelieving world that says, I want you to tell me, <clears throat> where's the authority? Well, why should I have, why does the Bible have authority? I, I say it doesn't. Well, who's the ultimate authority? The question we always ask, the question I always want to know is, by what authority will you judge what I tell you? Because if we can't get to a a foundation that we say, this is truth. Now let me ask you a question. We sang a song about it today. What is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the? And the? Okay, so what's truth? Jesus is the truth. The Bible calls Jesus Christ the Word of God. In Ezekiel it says... That the Word of God came to Ezekiel and he touched him. What? No, it was not just a thought in his mind. When the Word of God came to the prophets, I'm talking about a person. The Word of God, Jesus Christ. We have the written Word of God, it is authoritative. It is self-authenticating. How do I know? Because it's been changing lives for 2,000 years. How do I know when Jesus spoke, they said, Wow, those words have authority. We'll see. The Bible talks about this idea. Look, Luke 4, 36. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands unclean spirits and they obey him. These are eyewitnesses. There's, not a better witness. You don't get to say 2,000 years later, how do I know? How do I know they're eyewitnesses? Who's your authority? You? I have to convince you? I have to convince you, the God of the universe, who says in Romans chapter 1, he's already told you? And you know, the chief priests knew authority. They were—they're not asking a question because they wonder. They're rejecting his authority. You understand the difference? They're not asking. Oh, if you would only give me some. Uh, I watched a crazy, um, what was it? Uh, debate. I, I'm a weird guy. I like to watch debate sometimes. And this guy kept using words I—I I couldn't. He wanted didactic and paradigmatic proof. And I'm, I'm listening to him and I'm like, what did he just say? Give me some didactic and paradigmatic. And I'm like, why are you even using words like that? There might be two people here who know what that means. I don't remember. I looked it up and I, I thought, wow, there's easier ways to say that. They weren't interested in truth. No. These guys are not interested in truth. They're not looking for truth. And Luke 5.24 it says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, Take up your bed and walk. And what did he do? He took up his bed and walked. The people knew he had authority. The question of authority comes up for a totally different reason. And we see it played out in these first eight verses so well. I just don't want you to miss it, so that when you go to the parable, it makes sense. What do you mean? How's it played out? He said to them in in Luke 20, verse 2, Tell us by what authority you do these things, or who gave you the authority? Now, what things is he talking about? You remember last week when he got there, Luke 19, 45 to 46? It says, He entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house... What did that say? My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So they're asking, hey, who gave you authority to do that? And who's giving you authority to teach here? You're coming to the temple every day and teaching. Who who told you to do that? By whose authority? Why should we believe what you say? This This to the man who stood in front of the same group of guys who said, how can you forgive sins? And he said, well, I'll show you. I have authority to forgive sins. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? How can you tell? You don't know. Well, let's see if you can see this. Take up your bed and walk. And he took up his bed and walked. There's no argument on the pages of history that says, no, Jesus didn't really do that. The argument is, by whose authority later on they say how does he do these great works he does them by the power of satan they don't say he didn't do any works they said how's he do them he does them by the power of satan so what does that mean that means he did them you get it it really happened it's not fables and everybody knows they know if you look at the word of god you know the authority That the word of God has three years earlier. The same event happened the gospel of John John chapter 2 Beginning at verse 14 it says in the temple He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and so he made a whip of cords And he drove them all out of the temple the sheep the oxen He poured out the coins of the money changers overturned their tables Verse 16 he told those who sold the pigeons take these things away Do not make, what's it say? My father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? What are they asking? How, by whose authority are you throwing us out of here? You better do something special. What special thing are you going to do that we should should respond? So Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you'll do it in three days? But he was speaking of what? The temple of his body. When therefore he had raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The question is the nature and source of authority. What's the nature and source of authority? Is it about Rome? Is it about the government? What is it? Because when we talk to unbelievers, that's a question they want to know. Why should I believe this? Why shouldn't I believe what the Quran says? Why shouldn't I believe what this says, or that says, or the other says? Why should I listen to this? By what authority? And I always have to ask, by what authority are you going to judge it? By yours? Your incredible faculties of reasoning. And we fall right into the step. Well, we fall right into the trap. Well, if I really present a good argument, they'll get saved. No, people get saved when they will bow the knee. Period. Period. It's not our arguments that say. Now, we're supposed to be ready to give a defense, right? But before we're ready to give a defense, what did that verse say? Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Who's king in your life? Is, it, is my reason? my reasoning, is that king? Or is Jesus Christ king? Before I can give a defense, Jesus has to be my king. He has to be my what? Ultimate authority, right? He's got to be the thing I cling to. He's the truth, right? He's where I go to to understand truth. He's the foundation. If you have built on any other foundation, it won't stand. Jesus told a parable about that, didn't he? He said, a wise man builds his house on the... Not on the sand, right? He builds it on the rock. And then he describes that person. A wise man builds his house on a rock the wind blows, the waves come, the house stands. He says, this is what the man is who hears these teachings of mine and does them. Who's your ultimate authority? It's the same question the chief priests are asking. Who's your ultimate authority? It's the same question the world is asking. Who's your ultimate authority why do you why should i listen why should i hear why should i pay attention jesus is not a priest he has no official role in the temple so on what basis can you cleanse the temple on what basis are you able to proclaim and preaching and teaching On what basis can you counter the reality of our life here in the temple? On what basis? Who put you in charge? Why should we listen to you? Why should we listen to the Bible? Why should we hear any of these things? And the question behind it all is, what is your ultimate authority? The key is, Jesus said twice, in the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Luke, he said, this is my house. It was my house. The Bible declares that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. How much of the earth belongs to God? Does that include your stuff? Are you sure? How much is His? Because when we get into the parable, that's the question, right? There's a man who planted a vineyard. He went away to a far country. He comes back to get some of what's his. And everybody says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've been gone. This is all mine now. Is that that how we treat God? Is that how we look at the authority in our life? So Jesus is going to respond to their question. See, I'm perfect. I'm not going to get through eight verses. So Jesus is going to respond to their question. I really want us to understand this. He said to them, I will ask, I will also ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from God, heaven, or man? Okay, here's the question. Don't miss this. Whose authority did John come in? John the Baptist. Man's authority or God's authority? It's only, he only gives two. Right? Some people will say there's all kinds of different authorities. You have... This authority, that authority. Obviously, you went to this school, you have better authority than if you went to that one, right? You have better pedigree. You paid more for your degree. (laughs) That's crazy to me. I think that should be a test for someone who should not have any authority. You paid more for the same piece of paper I got, and you want to be in charge? Not on my money. Oh, yeah. I spent $175,000 on my degree. Well done. I spent 3000 I think I'd be better with your money than you'd be with mine. <laughs> but you know what? This is what we do. This is what the world will do, guys. The world will say... The emperor has no clothes, and only the wise can tell. Oh, yeah, then I need to spend more. Right? I need to to be a part of this or that or the other, because that authority is better. What authority will you stand on? By whose authority did John come? God's or man's? This is Jesus' question. So he used logic. He said to them, Okay, you want to know the authority? I'll answer here. The question's answered right now by how you answer this. Whose authority did John come in? Whose authority? This is what the scripture has to say about John. In John chapter 1, verse 19, it says, And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites... From Jerusalem to ask him. Who are you? What are they asking for? Aren't they asking for the same thing they're asking Jesus for? Why should we listen to you, John? Because this is a little trippy. You're dressed weird and funny. But people are coming to you. People are coming to you like crazy. Why are the people coming to you, John? When you stand out there and you just tell the people to repent. Repent. Change your life. Come down here. Be baptized. Prepare your heart to hear the words of the word of God. Why did the people flock? And so these guys come and say, whose authority are you doing this in? Who are you? John? Who are you? He confessed, did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, no, my name's John. I don't know what they were confused about. Are you the prophet? Now this is, a, this is the prophet spoken of by Moses who said there's going to be a guy who comes who speaks words of life. And when he speaks these words of life, if you don't listen to what he says, you're going to give a reckoning. The Bible called him the prophet. It's a prophecy pointing to Christ. The word of God speaking. The word of God. There's no greater authority. Who would you listen to? What better commentary? I got 10 million commentaries. That might be an exaggeration, but only barely. I have a lot of commentary. I got commentaries. I could have bought another motorcycle or a book. What better commentary to have than Jesus Christ? The Word of God speaking on the Word of God, Right? So so he says, are you the prophet? He says, no. So they said to him, well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? By whose authority are you here? What is this all about? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, I am the voice. I'm the forerunner. I'm the one who comes right before the Christ. They're not confused with what he's saying. They understand what he's saying. Now they have been sent from the Pharisees, so they told him, and why are you baptizing if you are not the Christ? So these are the only authorities they consider over themselves. If you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet. So John said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, right here, in the crowd. Among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to loose. What's he going to go on to say? He will baptize with fire. I. I come baptizing. Jesus narrows the, the choice, the two choices. Is John's authority from God? Was he really a prophet? Because that's what a prophet was. A man who showed up under the authority of God. Right? Bible's full of prophets. In fact, the Bible declares John as the last. John was the last prophet. That's what the Bible says. Why is he the last prophet? Well, because after John came Jesus. There's not another thing to be said. Hebrew says, well, what do I need to give you another word? Jesus just finished it. Listen to him. In Deuteronomy, Moses said, there's a prophet who's coming. If you don't listen to his words, you're going to give an account. His are the only words that matter. By what authority are we living our lives? Is it really by his? When we come to his word, do we say, well, this doesn't really mean what it means doesn't really say what it says. Is it because I can't justify it with my reasoning that I should just have to push it out because then my circular argument lands on me, right? I'm not going to listen to it because I say I'm not going to listen to it. Or I can make myself feel better and say I don't see any didactic or paradigmatic proof. But... It doesn't matter what those words mean. Here's the important part. I don't see any. Who's the authority? Who's authority? The word of God is calling mankind to bow before the creator of the universe. And scripture declares to us that there's enough evidence. We don't need evidence. There's enough. God has shown it to us. So what is this? What is John presenting Jesus as? Or or, I'm sorry, what is John presented as in the gospel? He's presented as a prophet, originating with Yahweh. His message was concerned with social renewal, a change in the way we do things, a change in the way we're governed. There's a new king, a change in the way we worship God. There's a there's a way you're you're off track. You've lost your way. A call to repentance and change, and prepare your hearts to hear. The word of God. So if John's message originates with Yahweh, then Jesus is authenticated. And we know by what they say next. Don't you? In their their response, is truth have anything to do with this? Let's look. So they discuss it with one another saying, well, if we say from heaven... He will say, then why didn't you believe him? Because what did John say? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the Messiah. That's what John said. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. So that's the authority that Jesus is saying. Hey, John's authority came from God. He pointed to me. My authority comes from, I'm authoritative. Listen to me. I am the prophet. I am the Christ. But truth's not what they're after. Was truth what Pilate was after? Did Pilate care about truth? What did Pilate want? Pilate wanted quiet. Yeah, we fall into that same category as parents sometimes, don't we? I don't really care who hit who, who poked who, who did what. I just want you to be quiet. Right? It's not about truth. If it's about truth, then we want to know what's really going on, what really happened. But that's not what Pilate's after. Pilate's not after truth. They're not after truth. They're saying, well, if we say this, then he'll say that. But if we say for man, what's it say next? All the people will stone us. They're standing in the temple, surrounded by the people who's getting up every morning to come hear what Jesus has to say. And if they say John had no authority, the people will stone them. Because the people know what? The people know John had authority. They went to him. They heard his words. And those words, they weren't like words anybody else spoke. They were like words that were touched by heaven. And they penetrated their hearts and they changed their life. And they repented and they listened and they looked for the, the one that John pointed to. And then they'd been following him and trying to listen to him and comprehend what he's teaching and what he's saying. They're not saying, by what authority... Where's, this, where's, the, where's the certificate? No, it's self-authenticating. Why? Because they heard it and they know. And man everywhere around the world hears it and he knows and he's without excuse. Because the Bible says he's without excuse. Man is in rebellion against the truth. He will not receive it. He wants to be the authority. He wants to set, mankind wants to set his throne above the most high and say, you have to make it make sense to me. That's not the God of the universe. The God of the universe doesn't go, okay, let me try to explain it to you so you can be my judge. That's not what God does. Jesus said, either you believe the words that I speak or you don't. That's where we receive or reject, isn't it? So they reasoned among themselves, well the people will stone us because they know John's a prophet. So they answered and said we don't know where it came from. We don't know. That's basically agnosticism in a neat little bag. Agnostics believe you cannot know truth. Can't know it. I can't know it. You can't know it. And I say, why why can't I know it? Why do you get to say what I can't know? I say I can know it. I say it is the Word of God. It is Jesus Christ, God the Word. God is my ultimate authority, and it's enough for me that He said it. But for a growing number of people it's easier to say, you know, that's just unhitched from all that. Because it's a lot more pleasant to the ears. If I just say live and let live, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. You know where that's written. That's in the satanic Bible. That's not in the Just do what you want. But God never said that. In the book of Judges, it said, Man did what was right in his own heart. And what a wicked time it was. Every man did what was right in his own heart. Read the book of Judges. Wow, that's a great book. Accurately reflecting the heart of mankind. This is man's heart. Same issue today, guys, with rejection of the truth. I'm not interested in the truth. Why? Because I love my sin. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't... I'm not looking for evidence, I'm looking for for the ability to reject. So somebody says, you know, the Bible's full of fables, cool. I'm going to grab that argument, the Bible's no good, it's no longer the authority. I'm going to throw that book out and I'm going to live how I want to live. The question is the question of sin. I want my sin. John chapter 1, very first chapter describing the coming of Messiah said that light came. But men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Man loves his sin. He loves his fallenness, his rebelliousness, and his corruption. First ten chapters of Genesis. That's what man loves. That's what these guys love. It's not about truth. By what authority should we accept your idea? They choose not to know. The chief priests choose not to know. Just like everybody else in the world. They choose not to know. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who, by their unrighteousness, by their sin, by their wanting to hold on to their corruption, their evil works, by their unrighteousness, they do what? Suppress the truth. It's not that they don't know what the truth is. They do what to it? They suppress it. They push it down. For what can be known about God is, what's it say? Plain to them. Why? Because God has shown it to them. How? Because His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. No one has to give evidence for God. He's all around. Everyone knows God exists. They want a reason to reject the God who is. So that they can make the God they like. They want a reason to be able to reject that. Ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. That's a bigger leap of faith to say there is no God. And if you say there is no God, listen, you have no justification for mathematics. Anybody love mathematics? There's two of us. <laughs> you, know, you know that all music is predicated on math. It's, it's amazing. I, I'm no good at it. But it's amazing. But you have no justification for mathematics. Where mathematics come from? And a random purposeless world of stardust bumping into each other. How do you account for mathematics? How do you account for logic? How do you account for morality? You can't. It's a social, it's a social form. A bunch of guys got together and, whoop, mathematics came out, huh? That's well, never happened when I hang out with my friends. No, there's only one, there's only one worldview that isn't, that does not bring everything to chaos. And that's a biblical worldview. The God of the Bible who exists. That's why the Bible says, you know, I'm here because without me, you can't account for anything. You can't account for counting you can't account for logic. You can't account for morality. You can't account for love. How are you going to account for beauty? How do you account for what, what's beautiful? There's almost nobody that, I, anywhere around the world, I, I will go so far as to say there's no one around the world that I cannot take a picture of a sunset at the beach and show it to them that would say, that's ah, hideous. Why? Because the Bible says God is beauty. And we're made how? In his image. Oh, you mean some of those things are inherent in man. So we're without excuse. God is the authority. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking, and their hearts were darkened. That's the world today. Today. Listen, Luke nineteen forty three. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side, and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know. Because you did not know. We don't know. Isn't that what they just said? We don't know by what authority. Oh, you know. But because you didn't know... I'm going to take the vineyard. God's going to take the vineyard and give it to someone else. And Jesus is going to elaborate on that in the next section of Scripture. So I'm hoping that we can kind of get the idea of this authority question as we move forward next week into the, to the parable, that we see all of these things that we're talking about come, being uh, brought to light through the illustration of the parable that Jesus is going to talk about, and the idea of the cornerstone, That's rejected, a stone not cut out with hands from the heavens, has become the chief of the corner. Man, so many great, prophetic, cool things coming. I hope I didn't mess your brains up this time. So hopefully you can hear it and see it. The authority of Christ. You didn't know the day. So Jesus said to them, Then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. You won't tell me your foundation of truth. You won't admit that the foundation of truth is you. Then how, how am I going to, how are we going to have a conversation? In order to have a conversation, two people have got to sit down and, and talk. And I can see through Jesus says, I can see through what you're saying. You know whose authority John came on God's authority. And he said, I'm the Christ. So you know who I am. You just want a reason to reject me because you love your sin. That's all mankind, all unbelievers. And the illustration that's true for Jerusalem is true for the world. What happens to Jerusalem in 70 A.D., guys, what happens to them in 70 A.D. happens to the whole world when he comes back. And while that is a glorious, hopeful thing for a believer, it's not so much so if you're not a believer. So this is the fast that I have chosen. Seek them out. Sit around the table with them till they kick you out. And when they say, stop talking to us, do what the disciples did. They shook off the dust and went to the next guy. When Paul got thrown out of the synagogues, what did he say? Okay, you've rejected the word. I'm going to the Gentiles. Because there's always somebody else to go to, right? That's our job. To go. Because Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we just lift this time to you. Lord, we thank you that we could come to your word. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, I just try to be sensitive to your spirit. And I I just pray that the, the crazy things I say are able to challenge people's hearts and minds. God, that we might be men and women who say, you know what? God is my ultimate authority, not me. And so I want to, I want to know him. How do I come to know him in his word? God, you told us that you want, you want my faithfulness and you want me to know you. So I want to be faithful to you, God, and I want to know you. I want to, I want to come to your word. I want to understand you. I I don't want to bring some crazy, weird glasses when I look at the word. I just want to get the pure word. What does God's word say? And then I want your word to be the authority in my life so that I'm bowing the knee to you. So when you tell me, here's the fast that I have chosen. God, I pray that I'll do it. I pray that I'll look for those opportunities to touch those less fortunate than me. To love the brethren. To not be the man pointing the finger at others. Or saying wicked things about others. But rather be the man who is in humble submission to God. Who just wants to share the truth of what does God's word say? This is truth. And you know it's truth. And your struggle is not that I don't know that's true and I think it's this or I think it's that. Your struggle is I don't want to have to do it. I don't want to have to change the way I think. I don't want to have to change my mind. Which means I don't want to have to repent. God, I just, I just pray that we would come face to face with the root reality, the truth of your word we as believers, those professing faith in Christ, then we ought to be holding tight, not unhitching. Holding fast to the Word of God. Holding fast to what it teaches. And knowing what it teaches. Don't just listen to what people say. What does it say? How are we to rightly divide your Word, God? How are we to know? You have given us the tools necessary. But men continually want to be their own authority. And so they'll, they'll come to the word and say, here's what it means. And they'll come to the word and say, this is what it means. You're the authority, not men. You. Pray we bow to your word. Because the reality is, it's just not that hard really isn't, but it does require me to say I'm not God. It does require me to say you're in charge. It does require me to say you're the author of good, not me. That you are the rightful judge, not me. And God, I just pray that we would come to this place that says, yes, I I believe and I want to know you, God, and I want to comprehend you, so I want to understand your word. And we would pour ourselves into it. Many of us know more about our favorite baseball team, football team. We know the batting average of every guy. We know the ERA. We know how many touchdown passes they threw this year. Don't tell me we can't know things. Will we bow the knee to your authority? I pray this morning our answer would be yes. So Lord, we ask that you, by your spirit, would move through your people. Call us God to you. Be glorified in this place. Because we want to honor you. So Lord, we lift this morning to you. And we just ask that your spirit would touch the hearts that the word of God has reached. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.